Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Be inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, welcome to your Sunday evening. I'm Laura Smith, and I'm so happy to be here tonight. I have some great guests lined up for the program you aren't going to want to miss. Inspiring and uplifting, as usual. So grateful for that. Raymond Arroyo is my first guest. He's a Fox News contributor. He's also the host of a program on EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. And he's an author of eight books and the brand new one, which is called Just in Time for Easter. It's called The Thief Who Stole Heaven. You're going to want to hear the background story to all of that from Raymond. Then we have Lisa Najar. She is another author, but she's also a psychic and medium and speaker and channeler. And she has a class that's coming up about increasing your intuitive IQ. So many people want to know how to tap into their own uh, sense of intuition and get better at it. Well, Lisa's going to be here and tell us all about that. Then we're going to finally be speaking with Dr. Stephen Radella. He is telling us about a new app there is where you can find out any day that you want if there's a recall on your vehicle something very important to stay on top of this is the way home with laura smith and it's brought to you by balance of nature fruits and veggies in a capsule so grateful to this company who if you've seen the tv commercials they actually show you how they have been able to get 31 fruits and vegetables into these capsules by not taking out a single bit of the nutrition value of a raw fruit and vegetable something we need as daily uh for daily In nutrition in America, adults need 11 servings a day, and a serving is the size of your fist. Do you actually get 11 servings of raw fruits and vegetables a day? I would venture to say no. I know that I'm not able to do that. So even though I try to eat a healthy diet, balanced diet, I supplement and make sure that I have all the nutrients that I need by taking balance of nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. It's not like any other product. There is none like it on the market. There might be ones that uh, try to simulate it, but they are not the same. This is just whole food in the capsules and nothing else. And I will tell you, it's an energy lift. It is an immune booster, and it it just does so much. The phytochemicals in the fruits and vegetables are life changers and something that all of our bodies need. You can order them today by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure that you use Laura in the promo code because that will get you 35% off of your first preferred order and free shipping. So put Laura into the promo code, go to balanceofnature.com or call this easy to remember number 800-2468-751, 800-2468-751 and put Laura into the promo code. When we come back, the wonderful Raymond Arroyo with his brand new book, The Thief Who Stole Heaven. We'll be right back. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I have a lot more energy. That's for sure. That's probably the most noticeable thing. I'm not tired. There's been many times when I should have been sick and never was. I think our bodies have the ability to rebuild themselves and repair themselves. All we have to do is give it the right fuel. That's what you guys do. You you give me the right fuel that I need, and I believe that my body will just take care of itself. Yeah, I feel a lot better. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code LARA. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I am so excited to have somebody back on my program who, over Christmas time, uh, wrote a book that made it not only to the New York Times bestseller list, but also to Amazon's uh, bestseller list, Barnes & Noble's, USA Today, you name it. And it must be because uh, maybe there's actually a hunger for real, true stories, beautiful stories, uh, stories with uh, content that uplifts one's spirit and one's soul. Uh, he is a Fox News contributor. He's also the host of The World Over Live on EWTN, which is the Global Catholic Network. And um, I am just so grateful to have him back. He's one of my favorite commentators in the whole wide world. I don't know if he knows that. Raymond Arroyo, thank you so much for being back on the way home. Laura, delighted to be here. 
I, you know, I loved so much The Spider Who Saved Christmas, a beautiful, beautiful picture book. Um, that's, uh, was, I guess, the first installment in what you're calling your legend series. Um, it can, it's for old and young alike, a picture book, though, that is just, unparalleled with the most beautiful pictures in the world. Well, uh, since that made it all the way, you know, to the bestseller list of all of them, uh, you have a second one that just right. dropped. Beautiful. Um, uh, another book, The Thief Who Stole Heaven. Raymond, it's gorgeous. I love oh, this one, you. too. I, w- I was wondering, which one do I like better? Hard to tell. So tell us a little bit. First about well, the Legend series and then about the, the Thief Who Stole Heaven. I think the story is incredible. Well, they sort of fit together, the Spider Book and this new Thief Who Stole Heaven, um, because in some ways, the Thief Who Stole Heaven is a prequel to the Spider Book, because if you notice, even in the illustrations in the book, it's the same illustrator, a fellow named Randy Gallagos. And Randy and I were very determined that uh, Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus that you see in this book look exactly as they did in the spider book. And this is basically what happens as the Holy Family leaves uh, Bethlehem on their way to Egypt. And, you know, it's really technically not a legend. This is the origin story of Dismas, the good thief. And we all hear about this thief. We remember him hanging on the cross next to Jesus, but nobody knows anything about him. Well, I stumbled across St. Augustine, John Chrysostom, uh, Gregory the Great. All these church fathers and historians had written about Dismas and his backstory. And when I read it, I thought, why haven't I ever come across this tale anywhere? And it turns out, and I don't want to ruin the story, but I'll tease it a little bit that this thief may have met Jesus much earlier when Jesus was but a newborn child. Mm -hmm. And how that little moment in his history may have shaped what eventually becomes this great act on Good Friday. You know, uh, St. Augustine says, Dismas, the good thief, may be the evangelist of Calvary, and that he's the first story of Easter, which we don't often think about. Laura, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is the guy, not the apostles, not the saints. It is this common thief, this murderer, who is the first guy who bursts through the gates of heaven. And I thought somehow this story had to be told. And originally I was going to tell it in, in a little novella, like a little chapter book. But when I started thinking about the best platform for this particular tale, I wanted it to be a family read. And that that's really what I consider all of these books. I consider them family reads, not children's books or kids' books, because what I've discovered is, and I saw it with the spider and I see it with the audience for The Thief Who Stole Heaven, grandmothers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, moms, and dads will read it with their children, and they both come to their own understandings and questions, and that interplay is what I'm really looking for, that conversation. And had I written this as a chapter book, we wouldn't have that family conversation. So these are all family reads in my mind and the perfect message for Easter that hope never fails and mercy is eternal till the very end of your life. I always, that, that part of the, you know, the story of of Easter and the crucifixion and, you know, what happened to uh, Jesus with the two thieves on either side of him. Now you say the good thief, right? Because there was a second thief who was on the other side, who, who, when he heard Dismas say to Jesus, you know, have mercy on me, uh, you know, and wanting to go into heaven with him or whatever. And the, and the bad thief was like, what are you crazy? You're not going anywhere like heaven, you know, basically. <laughs> and um, that to me was one of the most touching, amazing things. And then when Jesus goes on to say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. It just, that is something that I think is probably in a nutshell, the Christian message and, and has always um, it been such a challenge, you know, for, I think about, you know, where I am in my, my spiritual growth. And I, I think often to that moment up on Calvary. And so that you've put it into this story this way, like you said, family discussion. Now this leads me, Raymond, cause I, I listen to you all the time, um, on Fox news, your commentaries are just exquisitely done. I mean, you're not like a regular old news announcer. You're, you're a true artist. Your gift of language is so beautiful and you have your funny sense of humor. And I just wondered about you this week thinking that we were going to do this about, you know, the whole 
cancel culture of Dr. Seuss and everything and how, mm. you know, we it's so prevalent. And I want to get your take on that. But what you said about this being a family story and the mere fact that the spider who saved Christmas went to the top of bestsellers of all those publications, of all yeah. those lists. It says to me that regardless of how cancel culture seems to be happening in this in this country, the real hunger is for these uplifting stories, things that bring people and human right. beings together, correct or not? Well, uh, look, Laura, I, I think the good, the beautiful, the true, people still crave. And all of my stories, look, these, these family reads anyway, they are, these are traditional stories that I've put a new sheen on, that I've uh, interpreted or approached in a new way. And I see all of this as just, look, we're all writing the same story. You know, we're writing one story, and it's the story of redemption, uh, good versus evil. That's what every story I've ever written is about on some level. And um, certainly this book, this is about the war. The Thief Who Stole Heaven is about a guy who kind of, an, you know, one of the reviewers said he's like Aladdin meets the chosen. You know, it's yeah. it's a he's a swashbuckling thief, a robber, kind of dashing. Kids love this pirate ideal, so it appeals to them on that level. But then they encounter this guy as a young child. He's brought into this tribe of thieves and taught how to rob on the highways of uh, Judea. And what we see is this guy making really bad decisions and where it takes his life. But in the middle of that, in the midst of that, he has this brush with grace. He has this encounter with the Christ child and the seed that plans that doesn't really blossom till the end of his life, I thought was a tale worth telling. And when you talk about cancel culture, I mean, I, my thought on that, that runs absolutely counter to the message of this book and really the message of, of the gospel and humanity, which is mercy, forgiveness, a path back, redemption. And I worry about just striking people from the book of life, striking them from the public square, because you might disagree with them on this or that. Uh, that's not how I live my life. Goodness knows if everybody had to agree with me uh, about my musical taste, my literary taste, the way I like people to dress, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I might talk to one person or two people and they all live in my house. So, you know, I, I, it's, uh, this is a really bad policy. Um, in public life, and it's ruinous to our children because if you don't look, times change and uh, art changes and appetites and sensibilities change, but you need to educate children and young people as to why these depictions are offensive to some um, and might not work today, and then learn from that and go on. What's happening by canceling it, you're making it taboo. And like anything else, you know, if you tell a child, whatever you do, don't go in that closet. You cannot open that closet door. Right. Never go there, Johnny. The first thing Johnny's going to do when you go out is open that closet door. And that's what's going to happen to these works. You saw how they skyrocketed on Amazon the moment they yes. were canceled. They'll become, uh, uh, you know, th these underground hits. People will start reading them. And worse, I think, we may see a replication of the thing people are seeking to stamp out rather than learning yeah. from the example of what went before and why those depictions were in place. Yeah, you know, it's ironic. So that disturbs it's, me. I don't like that idea. I don't like that either. I, I Something tells me because it's so not based in reality and truth and what people truly, you know, believe in. I, I have a feeling it's it's hopefully cancel culture will just kind of be a phase and, and be gone because people will see that it, it doesn't, it doesn't do a sim, sim, simple thing. And also right. to the fact that the tragedy and the irony of the fact that something like what was displayed on the Grammy awards the other night, you know, the Cardi B thing, like that's okay. And, you know, according to like whomever the producers were that felt that that was okay to put that out there, knowing full well that there would be kids watching the Grammy Awards. And and yet that's just that's nothing's even said about that. It's no big deal. But, you know, get Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato involved. And boy, you know, they're <laughs> acting as though, you know, well, it, it's I worry, all upside look, down. Part of what I'm trying to do with the with the spider series, I mean, with the spider book, with the, the thief who stole heaven. 
we go through the motions, Laura, during these holidays. And we kind of, oh, here comes the egg and bunny season. And then people move on, you know, uh, here comes Santa Claus and you move on. I'm forcing people or wanting families to stop for a moment and consider what is this time really about? And what are the roots of this holiday? And I've tried to touch on both of them in these two books. And this book, The Thief Who Stole Heaven, is really, I, I think of it as an arc, a bridge between Christmas and Easter. And if we immerse ourselves in the true, the beautiful, and the good, and revive the, the roots of what we stand on and the roots of these holidays, that is how you perpetuate a healthy and a good culture. And then you don't have to worry about Cardi B and what she's doing at the Grammys. Nobody watched the Grammys. They're down 55%, 58% from the abysmal ratings of last year. But that's mm-hmm. when you put music behind social conditioning and, and, um, and politics and, frankly, gratuitous displays that I don't even want to call to mind here. Um, you know, that's the, the rapper who stole the culture is going to be the name of that book. Um, but it's a, it's, a very, uh, it's a very dark depiction of humanity. And it's angry. It's divisive. It's nasty. And I don't think it's what anyone wants for our children or even for ourselves. And so I try to create works that are entertaining, uplifting, creative, um, invite a sense of awe, and remind us of the reality that we really occupy. And that's one where good and evil are vying for you and for your families. And, um, and hope never fails. And it's never too late. I had a letter the other day, uh, the child of a prisoner, um, who, who told me, you know, what this book meant to them. Because for the first time, this little boy understood that his father wasn't lost and gone from, from him forever. And that grace was there. There was hope there and that God didn't abandon him or his father. Mm-hmm. And that's really that, that child kind of captured exactly what I hope to convey in this book, which is you that, cut out um, just for a second there, Raymond, no. you said this, uh, a child read your book and he had a, a, a father who was in prison. Did you yes. say? Yeah. Okay. A friend so of mine this- who's in prison ministry got a, a copy of the book to this child and it just helped them kind of, you know, they're in a very obviously very different situation than, than you or I, but it helped them put together, uh, and the father as well, this idea that they weren't lost and the child could understand, oh, here's someone who's in the situation my father's in, and yet God's glance doesn't turn away from them. God never abandons, and his, his glance, um, which is a big theme in this book, Mm-hmm. stays on th- this this individual and all of us th- you know sin doesn't invalidate um grace or what you were built for it's right. an impediment to it but it's not it's not a, 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 an obstacle for god it's the human story for everyone at some point in their lives looking yeah. for mercy and grace and such and it, it just goes to show you that these types of themes are alive and well still i mean the bible wouldn't be here after 2000 and 21 years if it didn't have universal themes that are just as alive today, I think, as they were then. I'm excited to know the the thief that stole heaven, first of all, is already out, correct? It, it yes, was it just March came 9th out uh, last yeah. week. Yes, exactly. So people can find The Thief Who Stole Heaven and, of course, The Spider Who Saved Christmas as well on any on Amazon and anywhere where fine books are sold online or in stores. Um, Raymond, since you said this is a, an, the second installment, I'm going to assume there's a third. We'll see. I'm, I'm looking. I'm always on the lookout for a new a new you know, perspective, a new on ramp to these stories we know. But, you know, the, the thing that I loved about this is I like to take things that you think, you know, and I do this in my on air work as well. I mean, it, this is what I do in my TV interviews. I bring you people that you think, you know, we sit down and in the course of that interview, you learn things about them or have a new perspective on them that you never did. And that's really what I'm trying to do here. But this is the origin of the good thief. This is what made him good. And we don't often think about that and that journey that he went on. But there's a lot of uh, historical evidence, Peter Damien, John Chrysostom, uh, and others who've written about uh, the, the backstory of this good thief, of Dismas. And I thought, if we could somehow con- capture this, 
um, the first person to celebrate Easter. And that really is who Dismas ends up being. Yeah. Oh, uh, that gives me I, 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 I wanted to save the holiday from bunnies and eggs as nice and sweet as those are. This, <laughs> this is another way for families and kids to appreciate why we have bunnies and eggs and those pastel colors and Easter baskets. This is why to celebrate this moment. And uh, it's a big one. It's an important one. It is. And it normally when you when people uh, veer towards more of the spiritual aspect of the holiday it's mostly about the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, of course. But I love that you picked out this particular aspect of it that maybe we haven't thought about for a long time or maybe didn't know there was a little more to the story. I yeah. love that's what you seem to have a gift at doing, Raymond Arroyo. So I can't wait for your next one, because, you know, if you think about it, every one of those, uh, there's so many stories in the Bible that like can be that are probably worth embellishing on and, and get finding out even more into them. And I'm sure there's hundreds of them. I just hope that you just keep dropping these books oh, every, every couple of months. I just think uh, it's, it's what the world needs now. And again, those illustrations are just, they, I think it in your press release, it says something about they're cinematic almost. Yeah. And it's true. When you look at them, you feel like you're looking at a, a, a movie scape. They're just, the colors are so vibrant. It just reminds me of when I was little and we had those big picture books and that your right. whole world yeah was right there in front kids, of you you know children are very visual and and people are visual today and, and uh you know a big book commitment they're not going to make but they will read a picture book together and go and d- dive into it as one and i think um randy did a wonderful job here we were very uh deliberate in using color in using the and there are a lot of easter eggs in this book uh, no pun intended. Uh, little little hidden illustrations. The the use of light in the background of this book. So you are, I guess, on a subconscious level, you're taking in the the the, the, the vibrancy and brightness of this young boy, and then you see the darkness move in and, and overwhelm him, overtake him, and then the lights come back on at the end. Um, and that's all of our stories. That that I think touches all of us in some way. Um, so we wanted it to be a visual adventure, and it is an adventure for kids. But it, it, he's a character that we know about but don't spend any time on. And I love just, you know, when I'm working on these books, doing research, You're not only are you learning a lot, you're immersing yourself, you're marinating in these stories. And uh, when you think about it, Dismas, the good thief, aside from Mary, is maybe the only person who witnesses the child Jesus at the beginning of his life and is there for the crucifixion at the end. Mm -hmm. He's the only person that bridges that gap. And we just don't think about that. And maybe we should. Yes, absolutely. I encourage everybody to do that. And not only with the, the, equal to the beautiful pictures is the beautiful language in which you write. Raymond, you have a way of speaking when you're on TV, whether you're being funny or whether you're writing a book that it, it kind of throws me back to a little bit more, um, classic, traditional, maybe even eloquent in, in spots. You have a way of painting with your beautiful words. Oh, and it's it, and you. language, I think, is just so important. It's something I think children need to be taught the beautiful gift of, of, of language. And, and you've right. done that so beautifully. I still say, like I said in my last show with you, I want you to try out for the uh, Jeopardy uh, role. <laughs> I, 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 I remember I that. Was, well, yeah, I look serious. Uh, I love, I, I, I was trained as a, as an actor and the, my favorite actors were always, uh, Lawrence Olivier, whom I met when I was very young, um, uh, Frank Langella, I, 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 you know, uh, Christopher Plummer, who we just lost. I, I always had a, um, preference for those actors who were eloquent and had, uh, spent the time to think through. And if you notice, none of those men had disastrous public lives as so many today do. Um, so I, I, that and growing up on television, my favorites were always Johnny Carson, Regis Philbin, a guy named Tom Schneider, all of whom had a little elegance about the way they conducted mm-hmm. their broadcast life. And, um, so that's what I grew up in. That's what I, you know, who I, I, um, spent time watching and whom I loved. So naturally, I want to extend that tradition. And I do feel I'm a little bit a part of that. You absolutely um, long are. Long-form television interviews are a thing of the past. And real humor um, that is not cruel, 
uh, is a rarity on on TV as well. So and you have it. I'm I often laughing at your things. I can't believe how you twist something around at the last second, and uh, you turn something that could could be very serious into something more light and uh, very very funny. You have uh, just really you you oh, are all that fine. and then some. I thank you, Raymond Arroyo, for coming on the way home again. And I just want to remind everyone the steep. The Thief, say that three times, The Thief Who Stole Heaven has uh, just come out last week. You can get it anywhere where fine books are sold, Amazon and all of them. And um, Raymond Arroyo, you can catch him on Fox News on a daily basis and on EWTN, the Catholic Network, the Global Catholic Network, on his show, The World Over Live. Raymond Arroyo, thank you oh, so much. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank what you a joy for the, to be with you. Happy of Easter. Your- Happy Easter to you, too. And thanks again for the wonderful book. And I appreciate it. Well, have a great day. We'll see you soon. You too. Thank you. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, one of my other favorite books that I read this year, besides uh, Raymond Arroyo's The Thief Who Stole Heaven and The Spider Who Saved Christmas, is a book by a lovely lady by the name of Lisa Najar. She is not only an author, but she's also a psychic and a medium and a channeler. And she wrote, like I said, one of my favorite books this year called Dying to Tell You, Channeled Messages from the Famously Dead. And if that doesn't intrigue you, nothing will. Lisa Najar, thank you so much for being back on the way home. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I always love coming on. We'll talk a little bit about your book just to remind people in case they haven't, um, uh, they didn't hear you the last several times you were on my show, but uh, you're just a, a favorite guest. And I, um, I I love that book so much, really. It, it's just, it's an incredible book. Tell a little bit of the background of the story about how it came about. Um, these are channeled messages, literally, um, that were channeled to you or through you, I should say, um, from famous people who had uh, crossed over to the other side. And give us a little backstory on it. Yes, thank you. Uh, So I I started my book saying I was a court reporter, and that is what I was doing and quite happy doing that. And although I was always born a natural born, I guess, psychic medium, but I certainly never intended to use it as as a profession. And uh, but Walt Disney had other plans for me. And he's the one who showed up and asked me if I would write a book. And I said no for a lot of years, actually. And finally, I, I agreed. I agreed to do it. And the book is uh, a collection of uh, stories by these famously dead and, and famous historical figures. Anyone from Einstein and Mark Twain to, you know, some of the old film stars, Marilyn Monroe and Steve McQueen and uh, Paul Newman and a few others, John Wayne. And uh, then some iconic singers, of course, Elvis and and a couple of the Beatles, George Harrison and John Lennon. So and Davy Jones, one of my favorites, too. But anyways, they all passed. And what they all found out was that uh, what they thought life was about wasn't. And the minute they crossed over, they realized what was really important. And they said to me that the reason they want this, uh, these messages to get out to the world uh, it would be because we're still in these bodies and we still have a chance to live well. And uh, mm-hmm. they want to help us live lives really well and not find out the mistakes we've made once we cross over when it's kind of too late. So it's a book uh, telling us what they're each doing on the other side and what they've learned since crossing over. And it's, it's, they're short, simple, but yet very profound messages. Very profound. I, I read them and, and I relish them. They are full of deep wisdom and just surprising uh, anecdotes about people that were so iconic. Maybe Marilyn Monroe is another one that comes to mind. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And, and the things that they say from from that vantage point, which, you know, maybe some people don't believe it's possible. I absolutely do. When you first told me the story about Walt Disney coming to you, you know, your first instinct is to say, wait, what? Really? Like, how does that happen? Um, did he like show up in, at the end of your bed and like with light around him? Or was it just a voice you heard in your head? Tell us a little bit about that process. And then we'll talk about the new course that you're teaching about uh, increasing your intuitive IQ. Actually, Laura, you're, you must be psychic because it was, I was sitting in my bed. It wasn't at night. It was, um, I was just in between homes and I was staying with friends. And so I had this great big bedroom and I had to work 
work out of it. So I was sitting on the bed, and that is literally where Walt Disney showed up at the end of my bed, although he didn't have any light around him. And uh, yes, and he spoke to me, and I just knew, you know, I just knew. Now, it's funny because when I was channeling these people, and I say channeling because I'm not a writer. I do not write. Writing is painful for me. So when they first asked me, could I do this book? I said, why would you come to me? I don't write and I hate writing. So don't ask. I'm not doing that. And they said, no, no, no. But you take dictation in court. You will know exactly how to take dictation. I said, yes, I can do that. So um, basically, I would sit and take dictation. I would have either my hand with the pen on the book or I would sit with my fingers on the, the keyboard. And then half the time I didn't know who it was. Well, sorry, they would tell me who it was. I didn't know if they had died or not. Like Waylon Jennings, first of all, I didn't know who he was. Um, Paul Newman, I didn't know he had died. There were a few of them that I didn't either know who they were or that they had died, but I just kept taking, taking dictation. And then when I would be finished, I would have to check and say, what the, who is this? So, um, so yeah, they, but with Walt, I knew who he was, obviously, and I knew he was, he had passed. So yeah, they just, and you just know it. It's a knowing. I can't explain it. Um, if you ever study psychic work, you'll know there's different clairs. I teach that in my class. And the clairs, you know, it's some people can hear, some people see, some people smell, taste, feel, or know. So there's different clairs. I have a few of them, but uh, in this case, I just, I knew and I could hear. So, so you you told me once that it took you about two years to finally acquiesce to taking, uh, you know, these wonderful interviews with with the famously dead and and channeling the messages. Once you did it, um, was it an easy task? Did it, did it go quickly? Was it a long process? How did how did it work out time wise for you? Oh, heavens, it, I could have done it in a week if I wanted. They were coming constantly. So almost every night I would sit. I took a lot of nights off because I had some trips planned and what have you. Although Elvis came and visited me on the plane going to Nashville. And so right there he comes in and I'm sitting beside somebody and he comes in with this beautiful message. And oh, I started to cry, but I had to turn my face away from the person beside me because I didn't want them to see me crying and I'm typing and crying. And it's, it was so emotional. His message was beautiful. And um, so, yeah, they would come at all, you know, different times. And uh, I would play David Pramal's Gayatri mantra, a couple of them, Mark Twain and George Harrison commented on her music. So I then sent her a book and she has since promoted the book and, and we've become really good friends actually through that. But uh but uh, I would just sit with my keys or my hands on the keyboard and it would just start coming. And that was it. It would come and then it would end. It's like in all my work and I do private sessions, but I don't get this scenario. But with the book, it was different. They would come and it would almost be like an announcement. Then the person would come. I would do the channeling. And then it's like the drapes or the blinds would close and I would know, OK, it's over. And that never happens in my private session. So it was very different. And the vibration was very different. And I got into a beautiful, joyful, high vibrational state with each one. It's so. remarkable. And I tell you, uh, go get the book. It's anywhere where books are sold, Amazon and the rest of it. Or you can just go to Lisa Najar's website, which is dying to tell you books, dying to tell you books.com. And you can get the beautiful book there. I've given it out to so many people as a gift, because again, these messages that come came through you are just so profound. They're timeless and they're they teach a lot and they're just absolutely beautiful. So that leads me to the next thing. You not only did the channeling for this book, but you you have a lot of classes. You have a lot of group work that you do online. And your latest is a class I think a lot of people are going to be interested in because I have done so much work with these with people like you who are very spiritual and and are able to be um, quite intuitive for a living. And and a lot of people are saying, I think I have this gift, but I just don't know how to hone in on it. I don't know how to express it and then possibly make a career out of it. You're going to help people with uh, this next course of yours. Tell us what Increase Your Intuitive IQ is going to be all about. 
Thank you, Laura. The thing is, first of all, I like to tell everyone you are all intuitive because you're and you're using it every moment of every day. When you make a decision about a house you're buying or a spouse you're picking, it doesn't matter. You are using your intuition. When you walk into a, an open house and you feel like weird, you know there's something in that house. Everyone knows. Everyone knows when they meet somebody and they feel repelled or they feel drawn to them. They know they can feel energy and we all vibrate. Every living thing and non-living thing has a vibration. So um, I, I'm, it's not really to teach you just to be a psychic, although you will definitely have your, you know, I think you'll be in great shape to do that if you ever want to, but it's really for everybody because we use the skill all the time. And so just increasing that gift and learning to work with it. And what I love about this, what I, why I decided to do it the way I'm doing it is I'm going to teach a piece of like information or the like the, the lesson of the day, we'll say, and then a Q&A because, you know, the week before you may have practiced and you'll need some some feedback about that. But then the best part is there'll be about 40 minutes or so where we'll all get to practice. I'll break everyone into pairs and we actually get to do practice with like minded individuals that you don't know. And that is the main thing. People wonder. They say, well, I think I'm kind of intuitive, but I don't know. And I say, yeah, and you probably will never really know, as I didn't, until you actually practice and get gain the confidence. And when you start getting it, that's when you know, oh, it's building. And the more you acknowledge it and get confident about it, the more spirit gives you. So we're going to be practicing with each other. And um, that's how people will get really good. So will they be able to be a psychic after? Sure. You don't need a course to become a psychic. You just need to have confidence in your gift. And I will teach that for sure. And it starts on the 28th. Oh, that sounds, it sounds really fun, Lisa. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity for people to really, like you said, gain the confidence. That's half the battle, I think, is, is being confident enough of kind of stepping out in your truth once you feel that you've um, intuited something. So I know it's taking place online, you know, so it's uh, great for people all over the world, literally. And the more people who join, the more people you'll have to practice with. And it, and it's a very um, affordable price that you're doing for people. How many over the course of how many weeks is the course? Well, that's the fun part is it, it's ongoing. So the first one is a basic. So it's the foundational stuff that most people would need to know. That's on the 28th for three hours. It's just a straight webinar. If you can't make it, no problem. It will be recorded and you will get the recording. And that's not so interactive. Uh, because it's your foundation. And then after that, it's just, it's a monthly $44 a month. It's, and then you would come together two Sundays in our, like every second Sunday, unless there's a holiday, we, we adjust it, but uh, you'll get two one and a half hour classes per month for that $44. And that's when we'll learn all the extra, all the stuff we're going to learn. And you can subscribe and you can cancel anytime you want, but it's ongoing. And I think it's going to build and we'll always have new people, fresh people to practice on that we don't know because you don't want people you know or you can't, you know, you're never going to get confident that you, oh, I picked that up. Yeah, well, maybe because you knew it. No. <laughs> yeah, so this is an incredible opportunity. The name of the course is Increase your intuitive IQ. It starts on the 28th of March this month and will be ongoing twice, a, uh, two Sundays a month uh, throughout the rest of the year, it sounds like. Lisa Najar, I just love all you are bringing to the world. I know your book is so amazing. I hope that uh, Walt Disney comes back to you once again to uh, to to give us uh, some more beautiful uh, messages from the other side. Thank you so much for being with us today on the way home. And, and by all means, keep checking in. And we want to remind everybody where they can find your courses and, and your online. Is it the dying to tell you books.com? Is that the website? Yes. Or they can go to Lisa Najar.com. So it's just L I S A and then Najar N A J J A R Lisa Najar.com or dying to tell you books plural.com either or will take you there or even 444 books any of them will take you to my uh, website and by the way sign up for like subscribe when you're there because every month I do a free reading I do a draw for free reading and I just did one on the 11th uh Leslie one so definitely sign on to that oh that's a fantastic incentive lisanajar.com lisa thank you so much for being on the way home lots of love to you thank you so much laura for having me i love this 
You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Smith, and here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. The concept of self-love may sound kind of selfish, but it's essential for living your best life. So what are some things you can do to have a better relationship with yourself? One, try affirmations. This is about repeating a short, positive statement about yourself on a regular basis. So what's something good you can choose to affirm? Come on, there are at least a few things. Two, mirror work. This is just what it sounds like. If you have a problem, talk to yourself in the mirror. You might be surprised at the solutions you come up with. Three, try new things. Shake it up and get out of your rut. It builds confidence. Finally, practice random acts of kindness. Not only do they help other people, they'll make you feel great too. Loving yourself is key to a great life. So appreciate your unique place in the world. This has been your Minute of Purpose. Find more now at nowwithpurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. The week of March 8th was actually Vehicle Safety Recalls Week, something I haven't heard of before, but something you may find very interesting and helpful. My guest is Dr. Stephen Rodella. He's the Director, Office of Defects Investigation, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That's a mouthful. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Laura. Good to be here. So um, is this a new thing, or is this I'm just hearing about it for the first time, this uh, Vehicle Safety Recalls Week? No, we've been uh, doing this for several years. Uh, the idea of Recalls Week is to make people aware that when they're doing things like moving their clocks forward in spring and when around daylight saving time, when they're changing smoke alarm batteries, when they may be beginning to do some spring cleanup and anything else they do this time of year, um, one more thing is to check for recalls. Um, and that we're trying to make even easier for people to do because um, it's likely and that you may have a recall on your vehicle. In 2020 alone, there were nearly 900 vehicle recalls and equipment recalls affecting 55 million vehicles and equipment. So if, if that recall is there, you can check at this time of year by checking and getting that repair done, getting it done for free. You're protecting yourself, family, loved ones, and other vehicle passengers and possibly even pedestrians. This is a staggering amount of recalls. Who knew? I didn't. I mean, I remember back in the day you'd hear about it maybe on the nightly news or something if there was a particular recall or you'd get a, a letter in the mail. But now there's actually a database or a website that you can go to and find out if your car is on it. Is that something you would do typically once a year at Daylight Savings Time? Or is this something that people should be checking all the time? You know, I like what you just said, checking all the time. Um, again, this is a good time of year to sort of remind yourself to do that, but multiple times a year. Recalls are issued every day, uh, obviously, because with 900 recalls last year, we're getting them, you know, four or five, even 10, 10 a day. So people have a lot of different ways of doing this um, and checking for recalls. So um, we are offering it on our website, which is nhtsa.gov where you enter your 17-digit vehicle identification number, or VIN, as we call it. It's located yeah. on the lower portion of your windshield on the driver's side. It's also on the driver's side door jam and on a label and on your insurance or registration card. When you enter that into our free lookup tool online, you'll get an instant notification whether or not your vehicle's under recall. And if you don't want to do that, we have a hotline with operators standing by. That number is 888-327-4236. Uh, and they'll take your information. You can also even file a complaint about a particular defect or safety issue you may have with your car, either online or with that operator. And finally, we have an app called Safer Car, and that app allows you to put the vehicle identification number into it. It's free on Android and Apple phones. You put that VIN in. You can put your family members' vehicles VINs in. You can put friends. You can put child seat information, tire information. And that app is scanning databases every day. And if it finds that there's an open recall, you'll get a ping instantly and also where to go get it fixed for free. So the app is a great thing to do. We've had thousands and thousands of downloads, and we think that's a great way to keep safe. Oh, my goodness. That's a great resource. Safer car is yep. the name of the app, and you can download it there. That is brilliant. I, I, I love the idea. Now, when somebody, let's say the recall is not something small, it's something major, 
what happens um, when your car is getting fixed? Is it, do they give you do do you get a loaner car or do you get money towards a rental car or are recalls done fair, fairly quickly? Well, I mean, the manufacturer is required to provide a free remedy. You know, they want to enhance and entice people to come into the dealership to to get it fixed. We we like to see all recalls done. Uh, on average, about 75% of recalls are fixed. About 25% remain unrepaired. So uh, dealerships are offering a variety of incentives to have people come in. They may even do gift cards. They may do mobile repairs on site on your at your house or pick up your car and bring it to the dealership and take it back after they've repaired it. So um, they are giving different ways. They're offering different ways, if you will, of getting people to get their vehicles done, and we're urging them to find even more innovative ways to do that. Um, free towing we've heard of and other other ways of getting uh, the vehicle into the dealership for repair. So trying to make it as convenient as possible for consumers uh, and realizing that uh, they need to realize that that is a safety issue and they need to get it fixed. Absolutely. And and in general, when you say back to the dealership, is it normally either a, a dealership that handles the type of car that you have or is it the dealership you bought it from? Or if somebody just has their local repair shop, do they do uh, safety recalls as well on cars? Or no, you have to go directly to that particular dealership. So it would be the dealership that is the make and model of that vehicle. It doesn't have to be the one you maybe purchase it from. So if you, you have a particular make and model, you can take it to any of, any dealership of that particular make and model. They should have the parts uh, and the procedures to get it fixed. Uh, very rarely do we have um, uh, repair shops doing recalls. More often than not, they're referring people when they uh, find that, they're oh, by the way, there is an open recall on that car. They will send the, the person to the dealership to get it fixed. The dealership has the, the vehicle uh, process to get it fixed as well as the, the replacement parts or repair procedures to complete the recall. Well, that's really great news. I'm so glad it's been so helpful, I'm sure, to my listeners because I learned something new and important today. Dr. Stephen Rodella, Director, Office of Defects Investigation, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And by the way, uh, we'll say the website just one more time, if you wouldn't mind, Dr. Rodella. Pleasure. NHTSA.gov slash recalls or our hotline at 888-327-4236 or the free Safer Car app on Android and Apple phones. Safer car. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Rodella. And we'll be back. You're listening to The Way Home. Thank you, Laura. Take care. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. It was definitely an answer to a prayer and a desire that I had had for a long time to take in more fruits and vegetables because I knew it would make me healthier. So I'm grateful for it. I got my mom's almost 90. She's been on it now for several years. I swear she's going to end up taking care of me someday. She will tell anyone who will listen to her about the change it made in her life. She genuinely believes Balance of Nature saved her life because eight years ago, her health was not good at all. She started making some changes and added on Balance of Nature several years back. And it's just been amazing to see the change in her. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code Laura. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, it wouldn't be uh, a night at the way home without my trusty engineer, Bob Small, and my guru of good news, Jim Cleefield, better known as Jimmy Dean in my book. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple of minutes today to share some really uplifting stories to get us into the work week. Jimmy, what do you have? This is a wonderful story. I don't know if any of you go on LinkedIn occasionally like I do, but there's this wonderful, heartwarming story about a 21-year-old young man. He has autism. His name is Ryan Lowry, and he has this dream one day of getting into animation and information technology as his chosen field. Well, what he did is he wrote a heartfelt letter to potential employers, and believe it or not, it got six million hits on LinkedIn. It has since gone viral. And oh, uh, he graduated high school a couple of years ago in Virginia. He's in a program that's called CAST. That's the acronym for Community and Schools Together program. It's a it's an advanced training program for the field of your choice. And anyway, as soon as that Letter went viral. All of a sudden, he got inundated with uh, offers about uh, job interviews from so many employers, including, get this, 
Fortune 500 companies. And uh, his parents are just absolutely excited about this. In fact, uh, his mom and dad say they just couldn't be prouder of their son. In fact, uh, her mom, Tracy, uh, told the Today Show, I lay in bed at night just crying, reading all these messages. This was so heartfelt. And he just really deserves all the success that he can get. And it just goes to show you that no matter what your challenge is, disability-wise, mental, physical, don't let that be an obstacle to you to follow your dream. He is a great example of that. That's wonderful. And I just love the collective sense of support from from an online community. LinkedIn is is a great place for networking for business anyway, um, but it shows a great compassion to, to go that route and to do what they did. Wow, six million votes. Or six million votes. hits, yeah. Hits, yes. Thank so you. Ch- chances I, are I somebody's like, going to hire him. Yes. Yeah, I would think so. He's probably got more more offers than he knows what to do with. That's exciting. No doubt. You got anything else for us today? Yes. Uh, when I looked at this story, I kind of did a double take because there was a gentleman in San Antonio who's helped thousands of people by donating platelets, 120 gallons. And I first thought, he didn't do it all at once. I mean, no human being can do that. <laughs> no, he's been doing this since 1984. And uh, 37-year-old Marcus Perez, he's been doing this for a long time because, uh, well, he just wanted to pay it forward. He said a transfusion he had many, many years ago as a young kid saved his life because he was prematurely born. And he wants to get back to others to kind of help them. So he has been donating thousands of platelets, uh, many, many platelets, about close to 1,000 uh, gallons worth to help about 3,000 people. Now, just think about that. There was no blood bank. I mean, he did this all his own. Uh, A lot of friends stepped up to the plate, and uh, he's helping save some lives out there, and he's still doing it after all these years. Wow. That's incredible. Have you, Bob, have you ever given blood? Oh, man. I, I always think I'd like to try and do that, and I never seem to find the time to do it. You know what? And I probably have time, but I've always been a little bit nervous about it for some reason. But I always feel you too, Jim. But I always feel like I should because indeed that is how so many people um, are are saved, you know, from whatever they're going through in a hospital or whatever. Well, this guy is, boy, you talk about generous. There's something about that when you're literally giving your own blood that speaks volumes about true generosity. I mean, that's just really somebody who wants to give and wow so uh thanks to him thanks to all the good news you guys and um for always making this my favorite hour of the week me too well listen you guys have a good week and to everyone listening tonight as always have a safe happy healthy prosperous peaceful week ahead of you keep it positive and uplifted that's what we try to do here for you and we'll see you next week on the way home with laura smith i'm laura lots of love